Hello and welcome to A Murderous Affair, the podcast where we talk about women in history known for mayhem and murder. For some reason, this past year, really, 2020 in general, has been throwing us so many curveballs. Um, so I might as well just start saying, welcome back to the revolution. Let's talk about another woman in history whose life work was working on equality, civil rights for not only the black community, but for the LGBT community, specifically when it comes to trans women. Her name is Miss major griffin gracie and she is unapologetically herself in every situation and she is a veteran of the stonewall rebellion miss major also known as mama to those in her community has been fighting for trans rights at its intersection of lgbt struggles for justice and equality since the 1960s she's been described as a fierce advocate for her girls trans women of color who have survived police brutality and incarceration in men's jails and prisons. And I just feel like last episode I covered Ida B. Wells when it came to all the protests against police brutality. This episode feels like it's appropriate for the month, not only because it does continue that talk against police brutality, but also it takes into account the lives of trans women and the challenges that they face and how far we still have to go when it comes to that matter. I'm not going to spend too long talking. I'm just going to go ahead and start talking about Miss Major. So, she was born in Chicago on October 25th, 1940. When she was younger, she was active in drag balls and in an interview later described the experience as, quote, phenomenal. It was like going to the Oscars show today. Everybody dressed up. Guys in tuxedos, queens in gowns that you would not believe. I mean, things they would have been working on all year. And the straight people would come and watch. They were different than the ones who come today. They just appreciated what was going on. She came out when she was a teenager in the 1950s, much to scorn and obvious mistreatment from others around her. It got to the point where she had to have someone with her a friend or a family member at all times or else she would be singled out and violently attacked. Two colleges actually kicked her out due to her outward identity expression and after that she moved to New York City. There weren't many trans-friendly places but she was able to establish a presence in the LGBT community around the Stonewall Inn. When asked about the Stonewall Inn she said quote we could go to Stonewall and everything would be fine. We didn't have to explain ourselves. On June 1969 she was in the Stonewall Inn when the bar was raided by police, which led to one of the most monumental uprisings for the LGBT plus community in America. And I actually learned a lot about the Stonewall Rebellion, also known as the Stonewall Riots and the Stonewall Uprising, while researching about Major Griffin Gracie. Here's what happened, and this is just a very surface level overview, so I really, really suggest that you guys go check out the Digital Public Library of America's primary source set of information that it has on what happened. There's so much documentation there from beginning to end and articles analyzing its impact on the gay liberation movement. I'll leave it linked in the episode summary so you can all get a hold of it. But thanks to history.com, I also was able to make a timeline of the events that night. So a little overview, to nobody's surprise, the 1960s and earlier in America were not known to be a very welcoming time periods to lesbian, gay, bisexual, or trans people. Same-sex, quote, solicitation, as it was called, was illegal. And there were gay bars and clubs where LGBT people could gather, but most of the New York Liquor Authority would shut down those places that served alcohol to those in the gay community because the gathering of homosexual people was considered to be disorderly. Eventually, these laws and regulations were overturned in 1966, and LGBT people could be served alcohol, but engaging in any kind 
kind of perceived gay behavior was still considered to be illegal and solicitation. So a lot of these bars were harassed by police. In a rather unexpected side note, a lot of gay bars in New York at the time were also owned by the mafia. When it came to the Stonewall Inn, the Genovese crime family controlled it and most of the Greenwich Village gay bars. They bought the Stonewall Inn in 1966, renovated it, and reopened it as a gay bar the following year. The Stonewall didn't need a liquor license because it was a bring-your-own-bottle type of bar. The Genovese family bribed the New York City 6th Police Precinct to look the other way about not having liquor licenses as well as the patrons who were visiting. In return, the Genovese blackmailed wealthy patrons who didn't want to be seen coming to or going from the place and they were given a heads up when it came to police raids. There was actually a raid a few days before the Stonewall Rebellion that the Genovese family had been tipped off about. But on June 28th, the raid was a surprise. Police with a warrant stormed the club, lashing out at patrons and arresting both employees for selling bootlegged alcohol and patrons who were violating the quote, gender appropriate clothing statute. And as police were aggressively handling the patrons, big surprise, kicking out those who weren't being arrested and holding the others inside. People suspected that the police were beating up on those who were inside and more and more people from the neighborhood gathered outside the bar to see what was going on. At one point, as police were loading people into a van, a woman, many who, including herself, have, have identified this woman as Stormy Delivari, was hit over the head by police and she yelled out to the crowd, why don't you guys do something? And it was this call to action that led the crowd to start rebelling against the police, yelling at them, throwing things. Some police began manhandling those onlookers, which only made everyone angrier. And this led to an all-out riot, with fed-up people throwing things at the police, eventually overtaking them and forcing those officers to barricade themselves inside the Stonewall Inn. Ultimately, this whole night led to a week-long protest. And while this wasn't the beginning of the gay rights movement, it was a huge step towards political activism, with many LGBT plus organizations such as the Gay Liberation Front, the Human Rights Campaign, and GLAAD forming. On the one-year anniversary of the riots, thousands of people marched in Manhattan from the Stonewall Inn to Central Park in one of America's first gay pride parades. The official chant of the parade was, quote, say it loud, gay is proud. Miss Major was one of the leaders in the Stonewall Rebellion, and when she was protesting the antics the police were taking, she was actually hit in the head and taken into custody. She reported that while in custody, a policeman actually broke her jaw. She had another run-in with the law when she was convicted of burglary and ended up serving five years in prison. When she was there, she ended up meeting another prisoner who had actually played a role in the Attica Correctional facility riots of 1971 whose name was Frank Smith. They got along really well and Smith actually gave her information on how to really help make changes in her community. She was eventually released from prison in 1974. In 1978 she moved to San Diego and started working at a food bank. Eventually she began helping provide services for trans women who were homeless, suffering from addiction, or who had been incarcerated. She began to organize community efforts and different movements to support the community as well when the AIDS epidemic hit the U.S. After 10 years working there in San Diego, she moved to San Francisco and ensured those affected by the epidemic were able to get health care services. In 2005, she was the first staff organizer and then the executive director of the Transgender Variant and Intersex Justice Project, which had a mission of ending, quote, the human rights abuses committed against TGI people in California prisons, jails, detention centers, and beyond. She retired in 2015. 
but in 2018, she opened the Griffin Gracie Educational Retreat and Historical Center in Little Rock, Arkansas. She left her longtime home in Oakland, California to assist trans and gender nonconforming individuals seeking community in a historically conservative region of the country, especially after the deeply threatening aftermath of the 2016 election. The Retreat and Historical Center, oftentimes just shortened to the House of GG, hosts retreats for trans women and gender nonconforming people of color all throughout the South and establishes community and mentorship initiatives. Ms. Major said that the inspiration for the House of GG was, quote, when I came up, there was houses that developed in New York like the House of Crystal LaBeja and the House of Extravaganza. They stayed in order to help the younger girls who were on the street. They helped them learn the things they needed to do to survive, like how to negotiate with the cops and what to do if they got busted. I thought in honor of them and on all they've done and tried to do, I would keep the thought and feeling of them alive with the House of Gigi. I want it to be a retreat where I can bring the girls here and to help create a sense of family for our community. In 2015, Genesis Gutierrez, a transgender activist and community organizer, organizer of Familia, trans queer liberation movement, was instantly motivated to get involved and fight for trans liberation after hearing and learning from Miss Major herself. Gutierrez said that she, quote, symbolizes strength, resiliency, and hope for our community. May we continue to honor and uplift her leadership so more transgendered people get inspired to fight for social justice and make a positive impact in the world. Raquel Willis, who is a writer, activist, and project director of Black Trans Circles at the Transgender Law Center, says that Miss Major is a testament to this long existing fight for trans people to be treated with dignity and respect and have access to safety and security. Willis also says that she thinks she's particularly powerful because she's one of those figures who is constantly in conversations with the generations coming up after her, and she's constantly encouraging us to reach for our dreams but also to fight for the bigger vision of what true liberation can look like for our people. Major Griffin Gracie is the recipient of countless awards, proclamations, certificates, and public accolades. She is also the subject of an award-winning documentary called Major, which was released in 2015. One of my favorite quotes of her is from an interview when she says, As I was living my life, I didn't have time to hold connections to people who would rather I die than breathe and be successful. This episode is a little bit quicker today. I'm a little sick, but I wanted to get something out there to kind of share a story about activism. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I know it was short um, and I sound a little off because I'm kind of sick right now just got a cough and just kind of general under the weather don't think it's anything super serious but i am taking it easy but i definitely wanted to contribute to not only pride month but just with everything going on and share a story of a woman who's definitely made some incredible incredible contributions when it comes to equality and civil rights if you enjoyed this episode make sure you follow a murderous affair we are on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Libsyn, anywhere that you can listen to podcasts. Go ahead and follow me on Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr if you're interested in hearing more. You can find me at Fermius Reads, F-R-U-M-I-O-U-S-R-E-A-D-S. That's all I have for you guys today. Thanks so much for listening. Stay spooky, friends, and I'll talk to you later. Goodbye.